How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to EMS World Podcasts. I am Hillary Gates, Senior Editorial and Program Director for EMS World, and today I'll be reading an article from the August 2020 EMS World magazine called Starting an EMS Body-Worn Camera Program by Eric Gall. About half of police departments in the United States have implemented some sort of body-worn camera program, or BWC. Adoption of BWCs by law enforcement agencies has roughly doubled since 2014, the year of the officer-involved shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. Axon Incorporated, the largest manufacturer of body-worn cameras in the United States, has seen growing interest in the use of BWCs by EMS, by EMS agencies in the United States and elsewhere. In conjunction with Axon, Cypress Creek EMS, CCEMS, outside Houston, Texas, initiated a trial BWC program that ran for 18 months between 2013 and 2015. The program was a success, and in 2019, CCEMS became the first EMS agency identified in the United States to require BWC use by its lead field providers on every unit. According to CCEMS Assistant Executive Director Ren Neely, BWCs improve clinical practice and the safety of our personnel, and have not resulted in any complaints from patients or the medical community. The London Ambulance Service began a BWC program in late 2018 to help keep its responders safe from violent patients, and New South Wales Ambulance in Australia began its program in late 2019. Why use BWCs in EMS? There are both pros and cons to making recordings of EMS patient encounters. The main anticipated benefits include higher quality patient care, better behavior from both providers and patients, and stronger evidence for legal proceedings. EMS Quality Assurance, QA, and training programs can use videos captured during calls to identify both good and poor patient care. It will soon be possible to use BWCs as telemedicine cameras to enable base station physicians and nurses to see what field personnel are seeing in real time. Additionally, using an app, EMS personnel can play videos recorded in the field for emergency department personnel to improve the quality and, um, and amount of information communicated during a patient handover. A recent pilot study in Hennepin County, Minnesota, suggests BWC recordings allow EMS personnel to produce higher quality patient documentation because they can review time-stamped videos of the encounter as they write their reports. BWC videos also give supervisors the ability to know what happened on any given call without having to be there in person, and they can help improve employee behavior because personnel know their actions are subject to review. A 2015 study of BWC usage in law enforcement demonstrated that the cameras created a neutral third eye that de-escalated interactions and led to improved behavior on the part of both suspects and officers. There is every reason to believe this same effect would occur in an EMS setting as well. Contemporaneous BWC recordings are admissible in court as evidence because commercially 
available BWC systems are designed with the chain of custody and anti-tamper mechanisms in mind. Videos can also provide solid documentation of refusals of care, something that can be hard to do well in a patient care report. Videos of patient encounters can also be pivotal in substantiating or disproving assault allegations against either providers or patients, especially during transport, when only the patient and provider are in the patient compartment of the ambulance. Recordings can show patient care was either adequate or substandard. As long as providers deliver treatment according to their standard of care, recordings can help reduce legal liability. Arguments against. Those against using BWCs and EMS tend to cite one or more of three basic arguments. The increased likelihood of an agency or provider being held liable in a lawsuit if the video demonstrates poor patient care. Objections to Big Brother watching providers every move and the costs associated with implementing and maintaining a BWC program. The first of these arguments is undeniably valid. BWC documentation of poor patient care could certainly make it harder to defend a negligence lawsuit. However, as attorney Matthew Strieger of the EMS law firm Keevney and Strieger points out, if you provide good care and do what you're supposed to do, then you have nothing to worry about. Even when care may be lacking, if you can show you're using the BWC videos to do QA and you're working to improve substandard care when you identify it, you will be in a more defensible position. In either case, you're better off with the BWC showing exactly what happened than if the events are left up to the imaginations of the attorney and jurors. Strieger further points out members of the public record many scenes with their cell phones. I want an EMS BWC recording that doesn't have gaps and shows care from our perspective in order to present a full picture of what may have happened, says Strieger. Employees may express concerns about being watched all the time when a BWC program is being planned. However, as the law enforcement BWC experience has demonstrated, these fears generally give way to an understanding that the protection BWCs offer outweighs the concerns officers may initially have. As a recent study suggests, after gaining experience with BWCs, law enforcement officers generally viewed them positively and felt that no good cop should fear a camera. Finally, while BWC programs do represent an additional cost, they might not be as expensive as one might think, and the benefits of decreased civil liability and increased public confidence in an agency and its providers could potentially far outweigh costs associated with implementation. Policy Development Neely suggests developing sound BWC policies is the cornerstone to a successful EMS BWC program. Privacy concerns and the added concern of PHI HIPAA mandate a sound policy that governs the use, storage, and protection of that video. According to Neely, interested agencies should begin by forming a BWC policy committee consisting of management, frontline providers, labor representatives, and unionized agencies, legal counsel, hospital administrators, and medical direction. The committee should address policy considerations, including BWC operational guidelines, permissible video uses, storage practices, protected health information, PHI, issues, and state laws governing the making of recordings. Operational concerns. Personnel need to know when recordings should and should not be made. Should a recording be started when the call is received or when the provider makes contact with the patient? Some agencies may wish to capture the response as well as the on-scene and transport portions of the calls. 
For some agencies, in-vehicle cameras may capture the response. For others, it may be too expensive to store the additional video. There is no right answer as to when to initiate the recording. However, the agency will need to give its personnel clear guidance on this issue. Likewise, the policy will also need to state when a recording may or must be ended. For example, a policy might state that personnel may end a recording once the patient signs a refusal. Other agencies may wish to capture the patient transfer. Exactly when to end a recording is a matter the policy committee must decide and make clear. Similarly, the policy should delineate areas off-limits to recording, for example, public restrooms or security-related facilities. The policy should also address when and how the videos are to be tagged, the process by which metadata is attached to the video file, the resolution required, this is generally selectable by the agency and pre-programmed for all BWC devices, and the amount of pre-activation recording time. This last feature refers to the amount of video buffered prior to manual activation of the camera by the user. Most BWCs can be programmed to record continually without user activation, but to keep only a certain number of seconds of video before the record button is pressed. This ensures that events leading up to an activation will be included in a recording, which is valuable when circumstances change rapidly. For example, if an EMT were suddenly to be assaulted while not on a call, it would be nice to have the moments leading up to the assault recorded. Agencies can determine how long this buffer should be, with the understanding that long videos cost more to retain. PHI concerns. One of the most frequently raised policy issues deals with how the privacy provisions of the federal HIPAA Act affect BWC recordings. The answer, according to Strieger, is that making recordings while rendering patient care is perfectly permissible under HIPAA. But the law requires an EMS agency to maintain the confidentiality of such recordings because they contain protected health information. This means agencies must safeguard against the unauthorized release of BWC videos. Commercially available BWC systems already address this because of the evidentiary value of the recordings in judicial proceedings, but agencies wishing to store videos on secure commercial servers would need to execute a HIPAA business associate agreement to be fully compliant with HIPAA. Users upload BWC videos to a secured evidence retention system, and access to stored videos is limited to only certain users with a legitimate need to see them. Further, video storage systems prevent the videos from alteration, although agencies can redact videos for certain authorized releases. Under HIPAA, patients or their authorized representatives must be given access to videos that are part of their medical record in the same way they must be able to get copies of their patient care reports. Consent Concerns Another privacy concern deals with patients' rights with respect to making a recording. In some states, only one party need consent to making a recording. However, currently in 16 states, both parties must consent. It is important for BWC policies to spell out how EMS personnel must obtain consent and when it is permissible for a patient to revoke or deny it. Permissible use. BWC policies must also address the circumstances under which agencies may make copies of videos and the process for their legitimate release. BWC policy should clearly delineate what constitutes legitimate use of BWC videos. These may include a QA review, an area expressly permitted under HIPAA, telemedicine and patient handover, preparation of a legal defense, training, discipline, and compliance with any legal court order. Finally, no BWC policy would be acceptable without clearly prohibiting unauthorized viewing, downloading, or release of videos, especially on social media. Stricker stresses that policies should address the use of BWC videos within an agency's overall QA program. 
Discovery laws vary from state to state, so it is important the BWC Policy Committee thoroughly research the applicable laws and work with legal counsel to ensure the BWC policy will be legally sufficient to protect videos from release under simple Freedom of Information Act requests while still allowing agencies to access them for self-critical analysis. Retention concerns. Video storage on secure servers can be expensive, so the retention policy should prescribe a standard length of time after which videos are expunged automatically. Because records retention laws vary by state, legal counsel should weigh in on how long videos should be retained. It is important to have a mechanism by which videos are preserved for use as evidence. If the agency deems a video to be part of a patient's medical record, it may be required to keep it longer than it would otherwise want to, which could be extremely expensive depending on call volume. Strieger recommends agencies weigh the idea of considering videos an adjunct to the call information, but having a standard time, for example, 180 days, after which deletion occurs, unless the agency is put on notice by an attorney that the videos would need to be used in part of a legal case. Since the time frame for notification of a pending lawsuit against an agency varies from state to state and depends on the type of agency involved, the BWC committee should be sure to create this policy with applicable laws in mind. Discipline concerns. One potential area of concern is that agencies will use BWC videos against employees in disciplinary cases. Neely says carefully crafted policies can address such concerns. We made it clear in our written policies that unless you commit a criminal act or something so egregious that we can't get past it with remedial training, we will not use the videos for discipline or terminations. Neely indicated the videos could be used in a discussion about what providers might do better in the future or more appropriate ways to interact with a patient, but they could not be used for formal discipline. While avoiding discipline, these videos will be invaluable in providing remedial training and process improvement for EMS providers and systems. Legal Review Legal counsel must thoroughly review all aspects of the BWC program for compliance with all applicable statutes. These include HIPAA, any state laws governing video and or audio recording of conversations, state and local records retention laws, self-critical analysis and other privileges, applicable freedom of information requirements, and any other laws or regulations that might be relevant. The importance of thorough and competent legal review cannot be overstated. Be cognizant that good legal review can take time. For Cypress Creek EMS, it took four months. Allow sufficient time in the implementation process to ensure legal review is not rushed. Looking ahead. This article has covered the rationale for implementing a BWC program in an EMS agency and some of the policy issues agencies must consider to ensure a program is useful, legal, and ethical. A second part next month will address practical decisions agency will need to make, including BWC features and operations, security, costs, and logistical realities in various EMS settings. Stay tuned for the companion interview with Cypress Creek EMS training coordinator, Zach Dunlap. Welcome to another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I am Hillary Gates, Senior Editorial and Program Director for EMS World. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Zach Dunlap from Cypress Creek EMS in Texas. How are you doing today, Zach? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you. Tell us about yourself and what you do for Cypress Creek. Yeah, so I am the uh, the field training coordinator here at uh, Cypress Creek in Houston, Texas. We're in uh, northern Harris County. Uh, survey a uh, population uh, about the size of Atlanta, Georgia. Run about uh, approximately 50,000 calls a year, uh, 18 
ambulances or so. So we stay uh, pretty busy. I'm the uh, field training coordinator here at Cypress Creek. Um, I oversee the uh, the field training officer program, do all of our uh, continuing education, uh, implementation of new equipment, um, any basically any training that, that we do here at Cypress Creek, I have uh, some say in it in one way or another. So in our August issue of EMS World Magazine, we've profiled Cypress Creek EMS because they have begun a program recently that is pretty unique. They are one of the first EMS agencies in the country to require that their EMS providers wear body-worn cameras on their patient encounters. And while the article really delves into the operational and logistical, financial, maybe even the legal needs of an agency looking into doing something like this, I really wanted the story from the streets. I want to hear what it's like for the street medic, for the person running the call, for the patient, um, and what the providers at Cypress Creek EMS have thought of this. So let's start with that. What did your providers say to you and what were some of the comments made, good and bad, when you first introduced this program to them, Zach? Well, of course. I mean, I think as everybody knows in the, in the day and age that we live now, you know, you're, you're always recorded um, way more than you know it. So what, what can you imagine is the, the number one thing everybody's concerned about? Big brother, right? Looking over my shoulder, you're going to be trying to catch me doing stuff. Um, so we had, there was some concern with that. So I think that um, the initial rollout was very important. We had to have really good leadership and we had to um, stick to our word that we were going to use it um, for, the, for the betterment of the organization. What I would tell folks is, you know, if you should have nothing to be concerned about if you're doing what you're supposed to, right? Um, I can tell you that in the in the year that we've had the program, we've never we've never once went to the cameras to try to find things. Um, has it maybe confirmed issues or things that needed to be corrected? Absolutely, but it wasn't something that we wouldn't have um, needed to correct anyway. So, I think that for the most part, um, that's been put to rest. Um, I would say that they were concerned about hearing and seeing themselves on camera. Um, for most of us, you know, that can be uncomfortable whenever you're, you're not used to um, seeing yourself and maybe, you know, the first few times you, you think, man, I, I sound way different than I thought I did, or I didn't realize I talked to folks um, in that tone. It sounds, I can see um, how I can improve that or whatever it may be. And, and once they, they got used to it, I can tell you that for the most part, um, our staff has come around to at least seeing some value in it in one way or another. You're never going to have everybody 100% on board, I don't think. But most of them are going to say, hey, there's value in it, um, whether it be training, safety, um, quality, or whatever it is. So I understand that the policy at Cypress Creek for having these cameras on or off is essentially from the minute you get the call till you hand the patient off at the hospital, the camera should be on. And I wonder from a paramedic standpoint, if people forgot to do that, or if there's a really good trick or a mnemonic or something to help remind the providers to do that. And then of course, I want to hear the stories about folks who forgot to turn them off when they went to the bathroom. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. And that, that's, I think that's happened to all of us. Um, so it, the technology is really incredible. Um, it, it, you get to the point where you just kind of remember to turn it on, just like you turn on your radio when you go to the call. 
Um, you know, when, anytime you roll out anything new, it may take a while to remember, oh yeah, I should, I should turn it on. But as long as the, uh, the battery pack itself is on, when you activate the uh, lights in the ambulance, it automatically turns on the camera, your body cam to start recording. So our body cams actually are in sync with the ambulance cams called our uh, fleet system. Um, so they sync together. Now, let's say that you forgot to turn on your battery pack and you're going in route or you get on scene. Um, all you do once the battery pack is turned on, you just bump it on the side of the, of the battery pack, which starts it, and you're going to hear a little beep. And then every couple minutes that beep uh, occurs so that you, you realize that it's recording. And then as soon as you're, you're done giving your report to the nurse or the physician, you just, uh, you know, turn it off and the light changes color and you know, you know, you're done. So it took a little bit of while to get used to for our folks, but after a while, it just kind of becomes, um, normal, like everything else, you know, we, one of the, you mentioned the, uh, the concerns, one of the concerns people had was, well, if I, if I'm going to a call and you know, I'm, I'm not happy about this call that I'm going to at 3am, am I going to get in trouble for that? Or if I, if maybe I say a cuss word or something that I'm not supposed to say, you know, am I going to get reprimanded for that? That's just not the case, right? We all, we all are our normal selves. I don't think people ever changed who they, who they were or how they acted based off of the, uh, the camera running or not. It just kind of has become, uh, another, another tool that we utilize. So let's talk more about sort of the ergonomics and the and wearing them. Um, the photos that we have in the magazine show uh, that they're over the ear. That's correct. So we have we have basically three ways that you can wear it. You can wear it um, on your your uh, eye protection. It has a little magnetic uh, clip on the side, so it'll be uh, a point of view um, look, basically, just like you were looking from the eye. Uh, the second option is going to be a collar mount. So we have a mount that goes basically around the collar of your shirt. And uh, that's the one that, that I like to use. And then the third one, of course, is a shoulder mount that will clip on the, uh, the top of your, your shoulder. Majority of our folks are either, either using the, uh, the, point of, uh, the eye point of view or the uh, collar mount. It, uh, it really is not that difficult. Again, once you get used to it, the camera is very small and then it has a, a, a cord that connects through your, uh, to your battery pack. You just run it through your shirt, uh, that clips on your hip. Um, you know, let's say I, you know, okay, I'm going to use the restroom. I just, uh, I just unclip it, do my business and clip it back on and go on without any issues. Um, for the most part, it really isn't that cumbersome. It's really easy to uh, take on and off. If you decide to take it off to charge it or dock your camera during your shift, uh, it doesn't take more than a few seconds to just clip it on and, and get on out the door. So it sounds like if you don't hear it beeping, that's going to be a noise that you get used to hearing. And when you don't hear it, you're uh, maybe remembering, uh Oh, I forgot to turn on my camera. That's actually usually the number one way that I remember. Yeah. So the, the light on your battery pack will change, um, a color. So you can just, you know, look down at that. And if you see that it's not red, it's blinking green. Oh no. Okay. I need to turn it on. Um, and the beeping is not really something, it's something I thought would be really annoying, but it's just one little small beep in your ear that you'll hear every couple of minutes and, and you get used to it. Um, it's not even, you can change the volume on it, but it never can even get loud enough that the, that the patient would hear that it would be a distraction. So it's usually just a good thing. It's kind of like, you know, if you've had those slow days on the ambulance and you don't hear the radio going off, you're thinking you keep checking exactly. like, is my radio on? Yep. It's the same type of thing. Yep. 
I was just thinking that I remember being on a call where my partner forgot to turn on her radio. And the reason she remembered was because she left the room I was in and it was complete silence. And she realized, oops, I forgot to turn on my radio. Yep, absolutely. It's the same type of thing. So you spoke a little bit about uh, the patients hearing it. Tell me how patients respond to this camera or seeing it. Do they even notice? Yeah. So I would say in my experience and, um, you know, talking to the field staff, I'm not sure yet if we have, it would be, you could count on one hand, the amount of times that we've had a patient, um, even, even recognize or say anything about the cameras, the majority of them, um, they never notice it. They don't, they don't say anything or could care less. Um, it's not something that we, we, you know, let them know that we're recording them or that we make a big deal out of or anything like that. Um, it's just, it's just part of the uniform and we've had no, no issues with it whatsoever. And patients that we, that we've talked to about it or that it's got brought up, um, most of them are glad that we have it. Right. Cause you know, just as it protects us, it protects them. So it's never, never been an issue with patients. Tell us uh, some of the things that the EMS providers have have liked about wearing these cameras and tell us some of the things they don't like about wearing them. I think over time, probably the number one thing, and, and this is, you know, I still work in the field as well in the ambulance, and I think it is, you, you would get a split on several things. Number one, though, would probably be just the, uh, the ability to go back and look at the video for times on my chart or to make sure that I didn't miss anything, um, to go back and review and say, okay, wait a second. Was that three epis or four epis or did I innovate first or what that just to have that ability to go back instead of having to go straight off of memory, um, to make sure that everything, you know, lines up in my, in my charting. Um, and then number two, I think is just instead of getting that phone call from a supervisor saying, Hey, where is so-and-so's driver's license or, you know, did you see $50 in cash that they're, they're saying is missing or their medications, the hospital is calling to say that we took, nope, it's, it's right there on the video. I can tell them that, Hey, their driver's license is actually in their left coat pocket. Or, you know, I wrote down the medications, but they're there on the bathroom, uh, sink, that type of thing is it, that that's taken a, a lot of, a lot of stress off of our folks. Um, and then for me personally, as the training coordinator, the best thing is to be able to debrief these calls. Um, it is, it is a game changer for us and from a training perspective to be able to, um, go through a call with a crew and see how we can improve, um, what went well, what we need to change, go through that, make those changes, discuss it, simulate it. And then several, several weeks later, I get to see them on a, a similar situation, similar type call, just, just watch them knock it out of the park is, uh, it's so gratifying for me. We've, we've seen, um, things improve like our innovation success rates. We've noticed that maybe we needed to change, uh, some equipment or a bag setup or whatever it may be. So from that perspective, it, it has really been, uh, valuable for us. I think that the, uh, couple of the other things that are, that have been positive for crews is, you know, it takes a lot of the, he said, she said stuff out of the equation. So if it's a patient complaint or, um, you know, another staff complaint or anything like that, we all have those issues, uh, in EMS or in any organization that, you know, it's like, here, here it is. It's on, it's on camera, right? It, it takes a, a lot of the, uh, uh, subjectivity out of things and just allows us to, to handle situations, um, efficiently and fairly. And so that's, that's something that I think people can appreciate. 
As an educator myself, I can't imagine how valuable it is to have a real call recorded that you can review with that with that crew, as you mentioned. I think I would uh, pay money to be able to do that. Um, we do our debriefs after training sessions or after simulations or times with you know people playing patients, but it's just not the same uh, as a real call. So that must be pretty exciting on your behalf. I'm telling you, I walked into just a perfect situation. It, you know, it's one thing if I if I tell you something or we talk about something, um, but if if you don't respect me or if I'm not articulating it well to you um, or you're not receiving it well, it, it may not you know, make sense or have the impact that it does. But when we can sit there and we can watch it and we can just tweak your innovation technique or, you know, we can talk about human factors, which is a huge thing that we've noticed, right? So you can, you can watch these folks, um, myself included. I've got, I pull up videos all the self of all the time of myself and you see, you can see the fine, you know, folks lose their fine motor skills because they're, they're so amped up. You can see the threat stress level get up because they're, they're amped up on a call. And we can talk about how to use those cues to, you know, take a deep breath, right? What is it that, that I can do to um, recognize in myself? Was my, was I, did I start talking faster? Was my voice elevating that I was getting nervous? And then that's where, where, where did this start going wrong? What were those cues and how can I fix it? You know, from a, training perspective in our initial new hire academy. I can show our new hires, hey, this is how we do pit crew CPR. This is how we set up for a rapid sequence innovation. Instead of just uh, pulling up a, a simulated video, we get to pull up the real thing. And so it's it's really valuable. Um, I, was a, I, was, I played football in high school and we used to watch film before every game. And then we would, uh, you know, because we wanted to see what, what are the tendencies of our opponent? Who are their best players? How can we beat them? And then we would watch film after. We would say, okay, what went well? What went wrong? And I liken it to the exact same thing. We, we're going to have another cardiac arrest. We're going to have another pediatric arrest. So we have to we have to learn from our mistakes and what didn't go well. And then how can we be ready for the next one? So it just is a total game changer from that perspective. Yeah, it's really practicing what you play. It's the It's the real deal. Tell us a story about um, a particular call or tell us a story about a particular scenario that's memorable to you or that would be instructive for our audience. Um, so one in particular that comes to mind is we had a, a, a very sick patient that uh, the crew went to innovate and it took three attempts. It didn't seem like it would be a difficult airway. Uh, it was an elderly female. And... Uh, you know, it just, it just did one of those calls. It just didn't go well. It was just sloppy and, uh, didn't go well. So we debriefed it. We fixed the technique, um, <clears throat> tried some, some different things. And then two weeks later, same paramedic, um, much more difficult airway, uh, had a, uh, esophageal varicity rupture with a ton of blood, uh, very, very difficult. And the innovation was just silky smooth. I mean, uh, went so, so quick, so efficient, uh, because of the change in the in the technique, you could see the human factors portion of it, where he stopped, took a deep breath, uh, used his uh, used his code word that uh, got him ready. So so sometimes you know we teach him to, to to stop, take a deep breath, and what whatever that is, if it's execute or what whatever their word is, uh, like they teach in the military, and it it was just so cool to see that. So we we have countless stories of seeing performance uh, improve from call to call when we're able to debrief uh, with watching the videos. Fabulous. If I'm a medic in your system and I want to go look at, back at a call, can I go 
ask you to review the video or can I look at it immediately on my own camera? Yeah, so immediately following the call, um, our, our cameras are paired with a truck issued uh, phone and that's where you tag your video. So we put the run number in there, you tag it under whatever category it is. And so you can immediately look at it on the phone. Um, after your shift, everything goes to a docking station where it uploads to a, a cloud. Um, so once you, usually it takes, uh, depending on the, the amount of footage you have, it takes by the time your next shift comes around, it'll be uploaded. And we use a, a system from Axon called evidence.com. Uh, requires uh, several levels of authentication, and you can go in there and review the, any call that you were on, just like a a PCR, where you know you have to be the one that was uh, in the call. Now, if it's anything beyond that, you'll have to do it with you know a training coordinator or supervisor um, with any uh, redacted patient information. And so we get that ability to sometimes get our folks the experience of a of a different uh, situation or call that maybe they haven't seen yet. Uh, but we were always able to go back and, and look at any call that, that we need to with them. It sounds like in a very short amount of time, your agency has realized a ton of benefits from this decision to wear body-worn cameras. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what you think the future of body-worn cameras are. Um, if, if the initial decision was made based on keeping your provider safe, where do you go next? It's a great question. And, you know, I, I may be in the minority on this or may just be somebody that, uh, you know, maybe has a, a big, a big vision for it. Um, but for me, I really see the future of pre-hospital medicine, um, having to do with body worn cameras. So take, for example, telemedicine right now for MIH and community paramedic, uh, programs. Now they have the ability to use the body worn cam, uh, with a with a live feed, so that the PANP or physician can assess these patients remotely. In the time of COVID, right now, you know it's provided invaluable for us because we can do a paramedic initiated referral where we don't have to take uh, the patient to the hospital to overwhelm these emergency departments and ICUs. More so, we were able to um, assess them remotely <clears throat> through our with our uh, with our physicians here. And imagine down the road where telemedicine is, is to a point where the trauma surgeon can see live what we're doing in the field. So I can do the, the fast exam with the surgeon seeing it. And they don't, they're not having to take my word for it. They, they see it live. And so we bypass the ER and go straight to the operating room. Imagine the neurologist being able to do their neurological assessment uh, right there in the house. So now we bring the emergency department and ICU level care out into the field even more so. So I, I can't even imagine where this is going to go. I think it's the future. I think it's um, something that over time, the majority of EMS systems will probably have and implement. Um, I, I really can't see it ever going away. I think that only time uh, will tell that, but it's something that, that I think we're just on the beginning of for sure. Well, in this day and age, we certainly know the effect body-worn cameras have had on law enforcement. So I don't think your speculations are really out of line, Zach. I think you're probably right, spot on. Well, it's pretty crazy to me. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, we wanted, the, the public wanted body-worn cameras, of course, for protection, for transparency, right? So why wouldn't you want that with your, your EMS providers, right? I mean, to me, as a, I mean, I, I live in our service district and I, I would want that um, 
transparency. Like, again, it wasn't just to protect us as providers, to protect the public as well and make sure that, you know, everybody's doing what they're supposed to, providing the highest level of care that we can. And, you know, it's it's not something that that we've used in a, in a negative uh, light. It's been totally positive here for us. And I, I really think that the, the sky is the limit for us with it. Well, Cypress Creek EMS is lucky to have you on board. Um, sounds like you have quite a vision and you know what use these cameras can bring to your, your folks and um, more importantly to your patients. I congratulate you on that, Zach. Well, thank you so much. It's it's been it's been an honor in the year that I've been here uh, to see where the program has started and where it's where it's went in just a year, and um, I'm really excited to see where we can continue to take it. Terrific. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcasts. I am Hillary Gates, and thank you again to Zach Dunlap from Cypress Creek EMS. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.